Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And in the last few times together, we have been talking about how to communicate in a way that genuinely creates connection where you're really listening and you're really speaking in a way that that really builds good conflict resolution skills as well as connection. And then we've spent some time talking about the development of sexuality in the last couple times on the air. So you can go back and listen to those. If any of the things that you're listening to bring up questions, you can send them to me at jenniferconson at yahoo.com, my name. Or you can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and you're going to find all kinds of previous recordings on there, and you can send a question from that site. So today we're going to go through different questions that have come up when we've done workshops. So sometimes I'm the speaker, sometimes it's my husband and I, and sometimes we're speaking to marrieds, and sometimes we're speaking to singles or campus or teens. I'm actually going to start out today's on what are some of the questions that singles and teens come up with, and what are some of the ways we answer them. And then in a few broadcasts, we'll be talking about some of the questions that married couples ask. Now, the reality is, although these are from singles and teens and campus students, these questions today, they do overlap into questions that folks that are married ask me. And you'll notice that as we go. So from one individual, they asked, why can't I touch my body if I'm not arousing others? It's only my body anyways. If my mind is just blank and I'm not thinking of any person, is masturbation a sin? I would say this is the one of the single biggest questions because I predominantly speak to religious groups. This is one of the questions that comes up predominantly um, this last week. I actually spoke at a couple different marriage retreats, and so individual couples or the wife or the husband would come up, and I'd say half the questions that came to me personally and from the married individuals were on masturbation. And so it's not just a question for any one age group or state in life. This is a question overall, if I'm just touching my body, not arousing others and if my mind is blank. So this is a huge question in the Christian world. And so I'm walking on a bit of a minefield by daring to answer it. And it's a huge disagreement within the Christian community. You've got those who will say it's a sin, masturbation, and any kind of masturbation is clearly wrong. And then you've got the whole other extreme within the Christian community of it's natural, it's normal, and just don't think or fantasize while you're doing it. So this question is quite valid to all parties. And, you know, honestly, sometimes what I tell people to do is, well, go read (laughs) the chapter that we wrote on what does the Bible say about sex. And we actually, in the book, Redeemed Sexuality, we do have a chapter just on masturbation and pornography. Why? Because of such uh, how big of a question it is for people. But bottom line, let me answer this. There is no scripture that directly says that you can't touch your body and that masturbation is a sin. People will say, what about Onan? That has nothing to do with masturbation. It has to do with him 
uh, refusing to do his duty by his brother's wife. And so he spills his seat on the ground. It has nothing to do with masturbation. And so there is no specific direction. I do get people that ask me that, you know, is there specific direction, you know, and the reality is the answer to the question on should I is more of a, an overall question on how to approach sexual choices. In other words, there might not be an exact scripture, but there might be principles in the scriptures. And so we definitely know that for this was, of course, this the way this is worded, this was specifically asked by someone who is single. And the answer I would give to that individual is number one, Song of Songs, chapter two, verse seven. Again, these are principles from the scripture says, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. Well, okay, Song of Songs is not a, a list of rules of do's and don'ts. So number one, does that scripture apply to masturbation? I don't know. But what I do know is the principle of there is an appropriate time for love and for sexual response, which Song of Solomon is full of sensual and sexual responses, that there's a proper time to stir those things up. And that should be considered when you're making a decision about whether you should touch yourself and bring yourself to orgasm. Most of the time, people will use this reasoning that, you know, I'm not thinking of anyone and it, and they'll say it brings down my anxiety. I get that actually um, any kind of sexual release does heighten oxytocin, which is the, well, okay, in plain language, it's called the cuddle hormone. It's the hormone that makes you feel better about life. So sexual release, a sexual orgasm does um, release oxytocin into the body. And, and again, that's not Oxycontin, which is the pill you take. This is oxytocin, which is the chemical hormone in your body. So it is released in the body during sexual release. So there is an overall feeling of um, higher enjoyment and comfort during life. So it is soothing. And therefore, it also lowers cortisol and adrenaline. So in other words, yes, sexual release does help with anxiety and so on. And it does soothe. And so the question I usually lay before people on if they are considering whether they should masturbate and they're single is and that they use it for anxiety reduction is that, well, number one, you need to really see if that fits within the scriptures, with it, within the principles taught by the scriptures. And then number two, you may need to consider that if you're using a, an orgasm to relieve anxiety, that could be a sign that you need to actually get some other ways of helping yourself with anxiety. That's usually what it's about. And so that might mean um, going to therapy, putting in some coping skills into practice in your life, and so on. But bottom line, what does that mean? Don't stir up or awaken love until the appropriate lo- uh, time. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Version, by the way. You know, I think that's pay attention to there's a time and a place to awaken sexual feelings. And is that before you're married? And then also, definitely, sex is clearly taught to be something that occurs during marriage. You can also read that in our chapter on Save Yourself. But, and we've gone over that in previous broadcasts. However, so sex, so what does that mean? Sex should be kept for the marriage relationship. The marriage bed should be kept pure. What does that mean? So if you're if you're not sure what your answer is to that, you may need to spend some time going over the scriptures and really getting a conviction about that. What the what the bottom line of this means is 
does masturbation when you're not in a marital relationship and you're not with your spouse, is it supported by the scriptures? And so one of the things, that's why I send people to the, what does the Bible say about sex? Because one of the important things is, does it fit within the overarching view of sexuality? And so the overarching view of sexuality is very clearly when you study all of the scriptures, which (laughs) I have done in detail due to what I do, when you put them all together, the overarching view of sexuality is that its intent is to create connection between two married people. That is the, no question, that is the intent of creating um, intimate connection. And so, you know, does masturbation fit that? So you can go read more about that or listen more about that. You can go to my website and hear some more about that. Now, the other thing is that definitely anyone who looks at someone lustfully and um, thinks about them in their heart while they're masturbating is absolutely um, putting Matthew five twenty eight into practice where they're they're doing something that Jesus clearly taught against. And so, yes, um, if you're not thinking about someone that that it because obviously thinking about someone would be lust that is something to consider can i do it without that and of course that then would be well what is the overarching teaching about sexuality in the bible and are you arousing sexuality when you shouldn't and is there possibly other things you need to be doing to help yourself with the areas that that release is giving you so Is it an appropriate time? Should you be stirring things up? And should you be waiting to arouse those sexual feelings until you're married would be what I would have people think about. Now, you'll notice I'm not actually giving an answer, a yes or a no there. However, what I'm hoping you'll do is you'll go back and do your own exploration and really examine, does it fit with God's plan for your life? So it's interesting because even in our book, Redeemed Sexuality, I would say we have a whole chapter on questions that people ask and Um, the, the reality is a good chunk of them are on this question. Is it okay for me to have the urge to masturbate with someone's question? And the answer that I gave there was that urges are normal. Sexual urges are normal. And we need to learn to go, oh, that's a normal urge. What you do with it at that point is where you would be possibly bringing in your beliefs and your values. And that asking Jesus, you know, what to do with those urges is usually a good idea. And of course, overall, that comes down to when I am not married, how do I say no to sex? (laughs) And actually, my first, that was the next question that came up from one workshop we did. How do I say no to sex? And usually what I would recommend is, well, there's probably a few no's that you need to be saying before you're saying no to sex that might help with how to say no to sex. How do you say no to sex? Well, there's probably some other things you need to say no to first. And you need to examine what those might be. Are you stirring up your sexual arousal by reading things or watching things or touching yourself in ways that are causing you? Are you indulging your senses sexually so that it's hard to say no to sex? Are you in a dating relationship where you're putting yourself in situations where it's super hard to say no when you're touching each other certain ways? It's super hard to say no. When you're letting yourself think certain things, it's hard to say no when you're indulging yourself in movies and books. And this is true for women when they read sexual novels and they read the sexual scenes in books and they watch movies that are romantic. This is true for men when they're 
pursuing pornography and looking at things. And this is true for women who look at pornographic images. This is true when people go ahead and have sexual thoughts and let themselves dwell on them. And this is definitely true when people go ahead and indulge their sexual feelings through masturbation and pornography. So if that's you, if you're indulging your senses in ways that are not within God's plan, it's going to be hard to say no to having sex with somebody that you're attracted to, maybe that you're close to marrying or you're dating. And this comes up a lot with um, religious individuals. You know, can we go ahead and bring each other to orgasm, even if we're not having intercourse? So saying no to sex is usually a bigger piece. What else do you need to be saying And putting some boundaries around in your life because the urge, the sexual urge, when you're letting it express itself in other ways is very, very strong. Most of the scriptures in the Bible on sex are on what not to do. And there's a reason for that, because the the urge to commit a sexual sin is so incredibly strong. The body and the urges of the body are very strong. So. If you don't have someone in your life that you're talking to about these feelings and these urges and these pulls and these and these questions about whether you should be engaging in this or that, my other big answer to that is, do you have a mentor that you talk openly with? Are you involved in active discipleship where you're talking with people, they're talking with you, they're showing you scriptures, they're guiding you in how to, as Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, how to obey, you know, after the point of becoming a Christian, how do you live a life of obedience? Well, actually, it says that we need people in our lives to help us, to admonish us, to teach us, to guide us, to, to, to correct us, all of the above, to encourage us, all of those. If you have never read the one another scriptures in uh, the New Testament, you can easily look them up. Just search one another scriptures on Google, and you're going to find a big old list of all of the each other and one another scriptures. And if you're not in those kinds of relationships, those one another relationships, then you're not getting the help that you need to say no, not just to sex, but to all kinds of things. So are you involved in an in an active discipling relationship? That's a huge, huge piece in how to say no to sin, period, and definitely sexual choices. So Also, what is your understanding of the scriptures in this area? How much have you really studied sexuality in the Bible? Take some time. Do you you know where they are? Have you read them? Have you prayed about them? Are you deeply rooted in God's word? Because that is vital. The scriptures, when when you take them in and you memorize them and you meditate on them and you pray through them, they get stuck in your brain and they pop up at the most helpful times. About 15-ish, maybe longer years ago, I took a course where we had to, um, it was a a Bible learning course, and we had to learn 100 scriptures. We did, you took a test on them, and the instructor said, really, you should come up with your own list of 100 scriptures of things that help you. And so I did start to do that. I finished, I came up with the 100th one about two-ish years ago. I have used those scriptures in my quiet times literally hundreds and hundreds of times where I've re-memorized them. I've prayed through them over and over and over. And so sure enough, when I'm with somebody or when I'm struggling with something or when I have a question, they literally pop into my head. So how well do you know the scriptures? Are you meditating meditating on them? Are you memorizing them? Are you drenching yourself in God's word? 
um, you know, David says, are you like a a deer panting for water? Are you like that with the Bible? That's a huge answer to how do you say no to sex? So often what happens is when we have sexual questions, we receive pat answers or trite answers, and you might have gotten some of those. So go get your own convictions and go make sure that they're solidly based scripturally. And of course, the other thing I would recommend is, when, uh, in answer to how do you say no to sex is, the bigger question is, what kind of relationship do you want to have with somebody? What is the dream that you have for, the, for that relationship? Talk about it. Write it down. Uh, tell somebody what you're thinking. Tell your partner, your, your date, someone you're dating or engaged to or you're interested in. Talk about what, kind of, what would be a great relationship. What does that mean? Sometimes it's not about saying no to sex, and it's more about saying yes to being partners in the gospel, saying yes to serving other people. Go serve the poor instead of have sex. Hmm, what an idea, right? Go paint somebody's fence instead of mess around on the couch, you know? So (laughs) consider the dream you have about what kind of relationship you want to have. It's not that good, healthy touch isn't, isn't important, actually, in dating and engaged relationships and in marriage, big time. But ask yourself, how am I doing on the overall relationship that I'm involved in? And how much are we living the relationship? Do we even have a dream for our relationship? Well, I want to take a moment here just to explain what we're doing. This is a weekly broadcast, and it is recorded every week. You can actually go on my website and listen to previous recordings. There's about 40 of them right now, and it's called The Art of Intimate Marriage. And on there are recordings both for married individuals, and there are some for those who are not married as well because it's all around sexuality. You can also, there are times where I have included on this radio show some information on those involved in addiction, and we're going to be covering that um, probably about a month or so from now, and we've had previous broadcasts on it. You can go read more about that on the other website I have, which is called The Ransomed Journey, all one word, and ransomed is R-A-N-S-O-M-E-D, theransomedjourney.com, and you'll find other information there. On those sites, you're going to see our books and the cards that we use to help couples communicate, and you're going to see video recordings and so on. Also, you'll see a link there. This is a listener-supported ministry. We could use your support, honestly, in order to reach greater numbers, in order to stay on the air, so you can go on to the link there and support our ministry. So, all right, let's go into some other questions that individuals have asked And these are significant to the process of of how do we respond to sexuality, both when we're married and especially when we're not married. So one individual asked, am I sinful if I dream about having sex, even though I'm not actually having sex? I've I've had married women ask me this. I've had single women ask me this a lot. I've had married men ask me this, and they talk about they get to the point of arousal and even waking up with Um, Of course, during the teenage years, uh, young men will say they have wet dreams where they're actually they're dreaming something sexual and they then have a sexual response where they may have an expulsion of fluid in the middle of the night. They'll wake up with wetness and semen. Women will say they wake up in the midst of an orgasm or it causes them to then touch themselves like even while they're sleeping or when they wake up, they'll masturbate to orgasm because of the high arousal that the dream caused. So this isn't uncommon for married, single, 
15, any age, any position in life individuals on having dreams. And so in answer to this specific question, um, people will say that the dream, you know, means something and you can you can't control it. And, uh, you know, you should need to figure out what your dreams mean or you need to, you know, figure out different ways of monitoring your dreams. Well, mm, bottom line, I just tell people you can't really do much about your dreams. They are what they are. Dreams are what they are. Now, obviously, if you're doing anything during the day that's causing, because that definitely happens when you're going through different things, you'll dream about it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who tell me, and all of you may have had these where you're having a dream and you're urinating in the dream or you're defecating in the dream. And sure enough, you wake up and you like desperately need to go to the bathroom. Or if you're younger, you've actually done something in your bed. So why is that even being talked about right now? Because our bodies and what we go through will come out in our dreams. Yes. And so you may need to consider what you're doing during your day sexually or thinking about that may be coming out in your dreams? What are you reading? What are you indulging during the day? Sure. However, you may just need to go, you know what? It was a dream for whatever, wherever it was from. That's all it was. And so that's, there's nothing wrong per se. There really isn't. And it though may help you if you go and talk to somebody. Again, this comes down to, do you have people in your life that you're talking openly to? So if it's causing some guilt or some discomfort or some worry, absolutely bring it up with someone that you're close to. The dream itself is, of course, not in any way sin. If you're fueling with it in some way while you're awake, you may need to take care of that. If it's particularly disturbing, so this will happen when individuals have a background in sexual abuse and sexual trauma where they've been raped, and it'll come up in their dreams. So this is a completely different issue. This is more about trauma, and it will come out in dreams. This is true for all kinds of trauma, of course. And so if that's happening to you, and it's, of course, very disturbing, then you may want to get some professional help with that the trauma is coming out in your dreams. And uh, talk about it to someone, share it with them. Bottom line, sometimes people feel a lot of embarrassment about sexuality occurring in their dreams, but I'd highly recommend not letting embarrassment stop you. We know that the real power Satan has is when things are in the dark. And it's not even just when sins are in the dark. It's even when things we feel, concerns we have, doubts we have, when we keep those hidden. And that's why I love First John 1, where it says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And that if we live in the light, the blood of Jesus washes us and we have fellowship with one another. There's so many benefits from living openly. So find that safe relationship, share with them maybe some of the things that are disturbing you or concerning you or worrying you. You might be surprised at the depth of connection that builds between you and, and another. If this is a safe person, usually it makes them feel like, you know, they can talk to you and it becomes this mutually expressive relationship where you can really talk. Satan has no power when we come into the light with what's going on. So talk, be open. And then let me go on to another question here. And I, I really appreciate this. This is from someone who has been involved sexually in their past. They've been married before and they're now a single parent. How do I overcome my physical desires as a single parent? This is such a valid, important question. You know, it's 
this kind of thinking that, well, now you're old, now you're divorced, now you're widowed and you don't have sexual feelings anymore. And yeah, good luck with that. That is not how it works. People still have sexual feelings. And so let me tell you, those of us listening here that are married, we need to be asking those who are no longer married or who haven't yet gotten married or who were married at one time or at least in a in a, a relationship in which they obviously were sexually involved and have children. Sexual feelings don't just go away. And we need to be talking openly about this. I cannot emphasize that enough. You know, yes, sometimes people are single parents because they're adopted, but most of the time it's because they had sex with somebody either before or during marriage and they're now single. And maybe they had a good sexual relationship. Maybe they didn't. But sexual sensations and feelings and desires are still there. And some single parents have never been married, um, but they were sexually involved before. And so the reality is people miss sex. They miss the body-to-body contact. They miss the closeness and the intimacy and just having somebody lie next to them and hold them. They miss the warmth of another body to wake up with, to cuddle with, to kiss with. They miss, miss the pleasure of sex and orgasm. We need, and I'm probably, you know, making everybody struggle out there just by bringing all these things up. We need to talk about this stuff. We need to talk openly and honestly with those who are wishing and wanting sex. Honestly, most of the time people give tried answers. Well, you just need to pray, you know, that God will give you some, someone, someone someday. Talk about it though. We need to talk about how hard it is. There's a grief and a loss when people are no longer sexually active and they have been in a past marital relationship, past relationships. There is a grief and a loss and we need to be able to talk openly about, about that. We still have desires. They come, they go, they come into the body, they go out of the body. And often what happens is people want to just overcome the desire and push it away. And what we actually recommend, what I tell people is don't just push it away. Notice the desire, give it some room, talk about it to somebody. When your body is feeling that sexual arousal, go, ah, there it is. (laughs) There's my body saying, I'd like to have sex right now. I'd like to have an orgasm. I can feel the throbbing, the tingling. It's just real. My, my my erection has begun. I can feel it in me. What do I do with that? Mostly, I would say accept the fact that your body is feeling that way, that you have those desires. And then make sure you're deeply involved in the scriptures so that you can bring in your beliefs and your values and go, okay, now that I'm accepting this sexual response, what are my beliefs and my values that will now guide my response to it? And that's the topic of a whole nother conversation on what do we do with those. And so you can listen to that. We have a whole broadcast on how to respond to the body and how to respond to arousal that you can listen to. But the bottom line I would recommend is accept it. When you feel the desire, notice it. It's natural. Squishing it down probably isn't a good idea. Notice it. Accept it. If you've had it before and you're mourning it now, go ahead. Mourn it. Feel the grief. Sex is enjoyable. It's understandable that you're missing it. And so now you can let your values come in. Remember that when you make a decision, this is a wonderful thing to submit your body, not just the rest of your life, but to submit your body to God. He promises incredible blessings. And so let me end with this today. Trust God, submit your body to him in all of its feelings and sensations, and just watch and see what he does. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. 
Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. Konzin is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.